Oasis of Wisdom Bible Church, the church of a distant Christian nation. The topic is still God's redemption agenda. And we are going to tailor the focus today on Africa in God's redemption agenda. Can somebody say that after me? Africa in God's redemption agenda. Last week, I explained that the redemption agenda of God is God's answer to the problem of sin in relationship to the eternal destination of the soul of man. It is God's answer to the problem of sin in relationship to the eternal destination of the soul of man. We noted that the devil has a very clear understanding of this and therefore he is strongly opposing the realization of that eternal goal everywhere including in Africa adopting different strategies. In Africa where it is presently assumed that Christianity is having a very strong foothold in modern times is not exempted by the devil from selling lies that can discredit or have the people to have a wrong mindset towards the gospel. So we identified and we debunked the narrative of target Christianity as a foreign religion on African soil. No. Christianity is being tagged and there is this ferocious advocacy for that from different cultures. Christianity being tagged as a foreign religion brought by the whites and imposed on black men. It was very essential for us to do this because this new trend of a growing hostility against the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ on African soil must not be allowed to succeed. Tell somebody, the devil will not win the final conquest. I'm not hearing that, brother. In the name of Jesus. But as it is presently, if you are careful to take note, if you are careful to employ your reflective mind to see through the happenings today, you will discover that a number of church people are returning to their African roots of pagan worship because they have been brainwashed to see Christianity as a foreign religion. And of course, last week I made a very strong prophetic appeal to gospel preachers and to believers in general that our gospel delivery in this circumstance must take cognizant note of this development and we must be ready to defend the universality of the gospel and the centrality of Africa in its propagation. The gospel is universal. Africa is very strategic 
to its propagation right from the beginning. It's a thing we must protest. I mean, we must protect, and it's also a thing we must give our serious attention to and apply all of our spiritual endowment to make sure that we sustain the temple that was set by the church father. We must understand that if Aweno or Anugujimi that embraces the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ or preaching it is not flattering or flirting with another man's faith. So if Aweno that has embraced the gospel Anugulano that is preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is not prognosing into another man's religion. It's not prognosing into another man's faith. He, is, he has actually found or discovered the deeper root of his true spiritual identity. The true spiritual identity of all humanity is godliness, created in the image of God. And it is the redemption and agenda of God through the gospel that restores us to that our true spiritual identity. Is somebody understanding me? So that being the case, our presentation of the gospel must be prayerfully potent, spiritually potent, to be able to touch the souls of men and transform them. But not only that, it must be intellectually appealing. I told you about the fact that the greatest battle that the church is empowered to fight is the battle of pulling down strongholds, strongholds of imagination, strongholds of wrong narratives okay, that pull men or turn men away from God. So our gospel must be spiritually potent and at the same time intellectually appealing to pull down every stronghold that is exalting itself against the knowledge of Christ. And then the discussion continue outside the pulpit or beyond the pulpit, even onto the social media space, because we indeed took the spiritual battle to the social media space. And I want to recruit more of you to get engaged in this warfare. And so during the week, upon watching a snippet of the message where I stated categorically that Christianity is more indigenous to Africa than to Europe and America, and that Africa is part of the Bible uh, land. Of course, that will generate a ripple. So as should be expected, I got this reaction that I want to bring to your notice from a non-Christian member of one of the WhatsApp platforms where I posted the video hear him. He said, no, 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 with very big exclamation. <laughs> Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, and the likes are not indigenous to Africa. I'm quoting him now. They are all foreign religion. Like the faith of our fathers, the foreign religion may have some positive things to hover. But our forefathers' beliefs will be more natural to us. I have an answer for him, and here is my answer. I said, 
what you are reacting to is an academic challenge. So, I am not appealing to your emotion, and I will not want you to respond by emotion. I will want you to go and do a study. So, I said to him, the link where you get the full historical and geographical evidences of my unequivocal assertion has been provided and attached to this video. Take a listen. Fact check and bring counter evidence. I'm still waiting for his counter evidence. What does that suggest? That suggests to you that the reason people believe the wrong narrative is because there were not enough people to put the truth in the forefront of public conversation. Am I talking to somebody? So I provoke his curiosity further by stating that or telling him some of the things I shared with you last week. That the Suez Canal which separates Middle East from Africa in Egypt is an artificial creation for economic reason and perhaps for historical distortion. And I mentioned the likely historical distortion of trying to rubbish Africa as being the cradle of mankind. So, the Suez Canal, which separates the Middle East from the rest of uh, Africa, is not a natural boundary of ocean and seas that usually divide continents. And of course, apart from that, but for the Suez Canal, except for the Suez Canal, the Middle East, which is, accept, which is the accepted origin of Christianity and Islam, is supposed to be a single geographical block with Africa. We said all of that last week, and I was trying to allow the, the man who was taken aback on the social media to get that understanding. So the Middle East would therefore be most appropriately, except for the Suez Canal, described as Northeast Africa and the gateway to Asia and uh, Europe. Tell somebody, Africa is strategic. To the mobility of the gospel. So, I went on to make him to realize that his view can only be partly correct. What is his view? His view is that uh, the belief of our forefathers in terms of uh, idol worship is what we should stay with and not poke nose or embrace the so-called white man religion. Okay, so I said his view can be partly correct if he reduced the scope of the conversation to just tribes, communities, and uh, localities. But for Africa as a continent, the Bible faith is a native. Tell yourself, the Bible is a native of Africa. Hallelujah. Just as a native to Israel, just as a native to Egypt, just as a native to, uh, to Greece, just as a native to Rome. Praise the name of the Lord. If we say the Bible is, a, is native to Rome, okay, nobody will argue it because you can read the book of Romans. Are we together? And to Thessalonica and the rest of those ones that took place in Greece. Hallelujah. So in a similar way, okay, but for 
for, for history that was not to our advantage. Because we took more to oral history than to written, uh, to written history. A number of books in the Bible, as we are going to see, should have also carried okay, names that are native to Africa. So the Bible faith on African soil has an history that is much more older than many deities in African traditional worship. Hello? Are you hearing me? The Bible faith on African soil has an history that is much more older than many deities in African traditional worship. Only Orumila, okay, can nearly compete with the histories that we have in the Bible. Nearly. Because even that cannot be proven. Orumila is said to have been a contemporary of the Socrates of this world. Are we together? But for many other deities that have been worshipped, a case study of Sogo, you know, you, know, you know about Sogo? They call him the God of Thunder. He was the fourth king of the ancient or your kingdom in West Africa. Are we together? We are now talking about uh, 19, 18th centuries, 18th century deity. <laughs> Hello? He has three wives that are also deified. Osu, Oba, and Oya, all of them river goddesses. Are we together? So, the Bible faith on African soil, as we proved last week, and we are going to extend okay, the, 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 the search for evidences today, has an history that is much more older than many deities in African traditional worship. So, it is those who don't understand the global history of Christianity that will think Christianity is a modern-day addition to African history. Christianity is not a modern-day addition to African history. Only those who don't understand the global history of Christianity will think like that. So, if you understand the global history of Christianity, you will discard and dismiss this popular Yoruba song. Okay, I grew up hearing one of the matriarchs in our family, in our family lineage, singing that song. Aye la ba fa, aye la ba mali, So, and that suggests and pump into our mindset that both. Uh, traditional worship and Islam is far much older than Christianity. So, a myopic focus on limited happening in your back backyard may not allow you to know about limitless happening beyond your immediate locality. Put in Yoruba, Am I talking to somebody? So, then, we thank God for Reverend Dr. Ball. He also contributed to the conversation on the social media. On the Back to the Bible Challenge Church WhatsApp platform, 
Dr. Bob efforts to raise the bar of the discussion or the conversation by making a number of profound scholarly submissions. He wrote, and I quote, after appreciating the enlightenment efforts and the advocacy we are bringing on this matter. He said, and I quote, and at this point, I want you to pay special attention. Praise the name of the Lord. So don't just see me now speaking from the pulpit. Also see Dr. Bob speaking from the classroom. Praise the name of the Lord. And you will need a much more special attention to get something in the classroom than you will get with simplicity on the pulpit. Am I talking to somebody? Tell somebody, pay attention. So, Dr. Bob submitted, and I could. Indeed, the historical presence and significance of Africa in biblical narratives challenge the notion that Christianity is exclusively a white man religion imposed on the continent of Africa. It's simply saying, check history, do a critical analysis, and you will discover that that notion that Christianity is exclusively a white man's religion imposed on the continent of Africa is not true. It went on. Christianity has deep roots in various African communities dating back to centuries with diverse expression of the faith across the continent, not just in one part of the continent. Furthermore, the contribution of African church fathers have been very significant in shaping key doctrinal and theological aspects of Christianity. So when the white came and they brought the gospel to us, and they start to teach us the Apostles' Creed. Hello, if you belong to the Anglican, the African church, you, you understand what we mean when we talk about the Apostle, Apostle Creed. Okay? Whatever they call it in Yoruba. And so on and so forth. Now, this creed that the whites brought to us, and we thought they were bringing a new thing to us, before it gets to that level, okay, uh, our Refined Bible scholar is making us to understand, as we are going to see very soon, that Africans contributed majorly, okay, to the creeds that the whites brought for us. Am I talking to somebody? So he said, furthermore, the contribution of African church fathers have been significant in shaping key doctrinal and theological aspects of Christianity. And he listed a number of them. Tertullian, in 155 to 240 AD. See, we are now talking about history that is much, much longer than the history of Sogo in Oyo Empire. Cyprian of Carthage, 200 BC, I mean AD to 255 AD. Origen, 184 AD to 253 AD. And Augustine of Hippo, all these men, 354 AD to 430 AD, all these men are Africans. So he went on that all of them came from North Africa and they played a crucial role in early Christian theology. Their writings and debates influence the development of fundamental Christian doctrines. 
He also buttressed further by stating that recognizing the intellectual and theological contribution of African thinkers is vital in understanding the global history of Christianity. Then, again, he also gave us a number of top Christian figures who are not always uh, explicitly regarded or labeled as church fathers, but who also made significant contribution to early Christian thoughts and play vital role in the development of Christian theology, some of which today the average Pentecostals don't understand. Praise the name of the Lord. But the narrative is changing because this is the time when we should actually understand the fundamentals of our faith. Number one among them is Athanasius of Alexandra, 296 to 373. Athanasius is an influential Christian theologian. He's bishop of Alexandra. Alexandra is in which country? In which country? Egypt. He's known for the defense of what is known today as Nicene Christianity against what was cropping up and eventually debunked as heresies called Arianism. Okay, let me try to explain that. Nicene Christianity in its understanding of the nature of Jesus' divinity, which is known as Christology, regards Jesus as divine and co-eternal with God the Father, which is a critical element of the Apostles' Creed. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are co-eternal. Athanasius projected that uh, doctrine against Arianism, which treats Jesus as the first among created beings and inferior to God the Father. That's a very big heresy that does not align with the great mystery of godliness as we have it spelled out in 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Hello? So, Jesus is not the first creation among created things, but rather it was God manifest in the flesh, God incarnate, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believe on in the world, receive up into glory. So, this which Apostle Paul taught, Athanasius was able to uphold it in the doctrine of the church. Praise the name of the Lord. Yes, an Africa. Are we together? Number two, Clement of Alexandra, a Christian theologian who taught at the catechetical school of Alexandra. He also contributed to early Christian philosophy and theology. Next is Didymus the Blind. So it is not only today that uh, we have the likes of Obadari and uh, Baba Adio preaching the gospel in spite of their physical incapacity. 
Didymus the Blind, a Christian theologian and scholar between 313 and 319 AD. He was a scholar in Alexandria. Is known for his extensive biblical commentary despite being blind. So Didymus the Blind was blind, but he contributed greatly to the gospel the same way Okay, some Africans that have physical challenge are shaping our society and uh, making their mark on the global stage, preaching the gospel. The works of these fathers will not be destroyed in our time in the name of Jesus. So because a number of young preachers who don't have depth just come up and say things that are not actually helping to sustain the power of the gospel. Then number four, Macarius of Egypt. 300 AD to 391. He was a desert father a Christian mystic. He was known for his teaching on what is known in theology as ascenticism. And of course, he has deep teaching on spirituality. What is ascenticism? The lifestyle characterized by abstinence from sensual pleasure, often for the purpose of pursuing spiritual goals. You must have heard about monks. Okay? So, whatever teaching encouraged them to go into that lifestyle of separation was developed here in Africa by men like Mercurius of Egypt. So, what is the implication of all this? The implication of this is that the gospel only returned home to Africa at later century after the death of the African church fathers. So Christianity is never a foreign faith in Africa. Are we together? It's never a foreign faith in Africa. It only returned back to Africa at the later century after the death of the African church father. Something happened. Okay? That manner of thing that happened, that aborted it in those days, will not happen again. In the name of Jesus. Okay? What you have today as North Africa, Libya mentioned them, Tunisia, all of those areas were places where the gospel was, uh, I mean, the route by which the gospel went to other parts of Africa. And like I told you, that the Northeast Africa is the gateway to Europe and to Asia. Today, those places are no longer Christian nations. Praise the name of the Lord. But today we thank God in West Africa, Nigeria, Ghana. The gospel is making very big impact and the devil is not happy. And that's why the devil will continue to do everything it can do, including selling no grand narrative to make people to abandon the gospel. So Christianity, rather than being a foreign faith in Africa, has deep historical roots on the continents. The early presence of African church fathers and their contribution to Christian theology highlights the indigenous nature of Christianity in certain regions of uh, Africa. So all of this that Dr. Bob submitted as a Bible scholar are in addition to the following, which I coined as 
the central role played by Africans in the redemption agenda. So let's look at that. The central role played by Africans in the redemption agenda. One, the Holy Family. The family of Joseph the Carpenter, the husband of Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, found refuge in Egypt. You remember when Herod was killing all children when Jesus was born? Jesus would have been killed alongside other children at that time. But an angel appeared to God. It was not Joseph's idea. It was God's idea that the gospel, okay, is a universal thing. And Africa is not excluded. Therefore, the Holy Family found refuge in Egypt. And it didn't start from the book of Matthew. Even in the Old Testament, Abraham found refuge in Egypt. Isaac wanted to, but God did not allow him. But Jacob and his children eventually found refuge in uh, Egypt. You can find that in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 23. Now, let me read verse 13 to 15 for brevity of time. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and thou, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt. I have called my son. Are we together? This is prophecy fulfilled. So, Africa has always been in the center of the story of the gospel. I'll give you another example. The first was at the birth of Jesus. The second was at the crowning stage of the ministry of Jesus. When it was to go to the cross to go and fulfill the redemption agenda mandate that was upon him to die for the sin of the whole world. So God so arranged it and ensured that Africa played a very prominent role. There was this man called Simon of Cyrene. Praise the Lord. Cyrene is not a city in Israel. It's not a city in America. It's not a city in Canada. It's not a city in any part of Rome. Siren is a city in present-day Libya. Present-day what? Libya. He carried the cross of Jesus. You know, at a point, Jesus became so weak, he could no longer carry the cross by himself. And they picked on a man called Simon of Siren. Uh, he was a black man. I read... 31 and 32 of Matthew 26. And after that, after that they had mocked him, after that they mocked him, they took 27, Matthew 27 verse 31. 
And after that they had mocked him, they took the robe up from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. So, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compared to bear his cross. You can also find the same story in Mark 15, 21 and Luke 23, 26. Then, at the birth of the church, hello, the birth of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, now when the church was born on the day of Pentecost, Africans were present. Say to your neighbor, our forefathers in Africa were present on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. I read from verse 5 up to there about verse 10. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Out of every nation under heaven. And the Bible did not just make that bogus claim and stop there. The Bible went on to identify from different strategic parts of the globe where men were gathered on the day of Pentecost when the church was born. Now, when this was noise abroad, verse 6, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man had them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And now here are we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia, in Portus, and Asia, verse 10, Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, and in the part of Libya, about Siren, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. Now, somebody we want to say, well, they were Jews who came for the Passover uh, ceremony. Praise the name of the Lord. And so they are not African. But take note of the last word in verse 10. I'm proselytes. Who are the people called proselytes? The New Testament language for proselytes is converts. Hello? Proselytes. The Yoruba Bible interprets it as Amalawo say Jew. So these people from Libya, from Egypt, from all across the continents of the world, okay? There were Jews who are living in those places who returned, and there were people who had converted to Jewish worship who followed them to Jerusalem. And so they were all there on the day of Pentecost. Tell yourself again, my forefathers, great, great, great forefathers were present on the day of Pentecost. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, you only return to your roots. You are not embracing something strange. So, it's a wrong narrative to call Christianity as in IDG. 
Let's prove it further. Still Acts chapter 2. So, precedent upon what we have read in verse 5 to 10. Africans were also among the 3,000 souls that were saved on the day of Pentecost. You know, after the Holy Ghost came on disciples and they spoke in tongues, okay, and the people gathered there, Apostle Paul stood up to preach. And the Bible told us that 3,000 souls, I mean, Apostle Peter, Peter rather, Apostle Peter stood up to preach. Apostle Paul was a, was a later uh, comer, a, a, a late comer rather, or whichever way to put it properly. So Apostle Peter stood up to preach, verse 37 to 41. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and many that are far off. So as far as God is concerned, are we together? The gospel is meant for every man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have ever. It's whosoever. Regardless of where you come from, black, white, green, or yellow. And with many other words, he did testify and exhort saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly receive his word were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Hallelujah. The people who are there are Are we together? So, then we move on to the evangelistic movement now of the apostles beyond what happened in Jerusalem to the level whereby the gospel was now being taken to different parts of the world. And we discover that principally the place the gospel first had its stop was in Africa. We have the conversion of the utopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 30. He was, he was uh, a treasurer baptized by Philip the Evangelist. Acts 8, 26 to 30. Let's read that. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go south, and go towards the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So, the gospel turned its face out. Praise the name of the Lord. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority under Cades, queen of the Ethiopian, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. She was, he was already a proselyte who had joined the Jewish worship and always come to Jerusalem to worship, but he need now to hear the gospel. Are we together? He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Elias the prophet. We are the scripture. 
was speaking about Jesus Christ, which he was yet to know about. Verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran either to him, and had him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understand thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as sheep to the slaughter. You find that in Isaiah 53. Am I right, man of God? And like a lamb, dumb before his sharer, so open he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does in that mean to be baptized? With me, he has received the gospel. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, this that I have read that happened to this man constitute part of the background to the reason we had those great theologians and church fathers listed by Dr. Bob in the early church in Africa. So, I want to also challenge you on this matter. Please, go and take further because this matter we are dealing with is an issue of scholarship for those who love it. It is not an emotional religious venture. Rather, it's an effort at digging out the truth so that we don't fall victim of believing the wrong narrative. Because once you end up believing the wrong narrative, you may join them to reject the gospel which is the power of God unto salvation. So hear this and hear it well. Any narrative that denies the universality of Christianity is an heresy. Any narrative cut off any people from the gospel. I said the gospel does not belong here. It doesn't belong to our village. Our village belongs to any kind of idol or whatever. Is an heresy. It is a satanic agenda to deceive people to believe that God has alternative agenda to the death of Jesus Christ as the propitiation for the sin of the whole world. There is no alternative to the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the remission, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And after the blood of Jesus was shed, no other blood qualified. Okay? to stand as remission for the sin of men. 
Let's push it still a little further so that we can move away from this today and take on another dimension of the study next week. Let me give you popular Old Testament scriptures. Popular Old Testament scriptures that put African in the center of God's redemption agenda. There were special promises that God has given to African people and have been, have been fulfilled and are still being fulfilled. So let's check some of them. Psalm 68 verse 31. Psalm 68 verse 31. Princes shall come out of Egypt. Ethiopia shall so stretch out her hand unto God. So when you see revival in Africa, when Europe is rejecting the gospel, are we together? It's a fulfillment of prophecy. Kush shall reach out its arm to God. That's another a translation. And of course, the early church realized this. They love this promise. For they consider Kush to be a metaphor for the Gentile bride of Christ. Then, Psalm 87, verse 3 to 6. That Psalm predicted that one day people will recognize the spirituality of the Kusites and declare that they had been born anew in Zion. Praise the name of the Lord. Who are the Kusites? I explained that last week, Africans. Verse 3. Psalm 87. Glorious thing has spoken of thee, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyra with Ethiopia, this man was born there. And of Zion it shall be said, this and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall come when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. So, when God is counting his people and he's saying, these are the apples of my eye, it's not going to be only the Jews, the redeemed of the Lord. Those of us that have been saved, has been enlisted in that same category. So, you can be a Jew by blood and not belong to God. But you may not be a Jew by blood, but because you have accepted Jesus Christ, it was the prophet of the Jews that told the Jews this, but they didn't understand it. Am I talking to somebody? Another one can be found in Isaiah. Isaiah 11, 11, and Isaiah 18, 1 to 8. I'll read 11, 11. Prophet Isaiah foretold that God will bring forth a remnant from Cush and a redeemed people bearing gifts to Zion. Hello? In other words, we will still return back, okay, and preach the gospel to the, to the Zionists. Am I talking to somebody? And so when you hear the wild case of this world, okay, going to organize crusade in Israel, it has been prophesied. Am I talking to somebody? Isaiah 11, 11. And it come to pass in that day that the Lord has set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of evil, which shall be led from 
Assyria and from Egypt and from Patmos and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinia and from Hamath and from the island of the sea. Island of the sea, including the Caribbean. Are we together? Our, <laughs> our forefathers were taken as slaves from Africa. And when the slave trade was over, they went and dumped them in the island of the sea. Talking about places like Jamaica. And that's why you will discover that Jamaicans, they are close to America, but they are blacks. Are we together? They were also covered in the prophecy. Even our forefathers that went into slavery, they were covered in the redemption agenda of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Then Savaniah. Okay, this is where you will see that Nigeria was not left out. Savaniah proclaimed that from beyond the river of Kush, God's people should bring forth offerings. Beyond the river of Kush, beyond the river of Ethiopia. What are the rivers? Not just a single river, rivers of Ethiopia. What is that land geographically? Okay, that has river and is beyond, is south of Ethiopia. You are talking about Nigeria, where you have River Niger and River Benue. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say Nigeria in prophecy. Nigeria in God's redemption agenda. Hallelujah. You read that in Savannah chapter 3, verse 10. So, these prophecies speak of the south of the river of Kuz, pointing in the direction of River Niger and River Benue in Nigeria. And of course, Amos. In Amos chapter 9, verse 7. Okay? Brought the Jewish, the Israelites, the covenant people to have an understanding that there shall come a time when the Kusites, the Africans, will be standing on the same platform with them. Are you not like the Kusites to me, O people of Israel, says the Lord? Hello? So, all in all, the universalism of the redemption agenda is fully expressed in the Bible with African presence at every point. That the gospel is universal, there's no controversy about it. And in the expression of that in the Bible, from every point, at every point, we have the presence of Africa. Kus was the son of Ham, the progenitor of the black race. Noah, who survived the great flood, was the father of Ham. So whatever challenges Africa may be facing today, we will survive it in the name of Jesus. Because our father Ham survived with Noah. Sipora was the wife of Moses, the lawgiver. She was a black woman. Am I talking to somebody? That was what infuriates Miriam and uh, Aaron. And they got annoyed with Moses. Why will you marry an Ethiopian woman? Why will you marry a Kusai? Why will you marry a black woman? Allah what do do Yahweh Moses. So, even at the point of the law, Africans were represented. The prophet, as I've read out to us, spoke about Kus in many respects. The Kusites were in the army of David. 
In fact, one of them delivered the message of the death of Absalom. The final conquest of the enemies of David okay, happened in the battle where Absalom lost his life. And somebody else who is not black offered to go and deliver the message. Joab told him, no, it is not your time. It is not your day. Okay? There is a relevance. There is a prophetic dimension. Okay? That is relevant to the black. Okay? And Kusite was appointed to take the message. He was a black man in the army of David. Then come even to The poetic book, most popular among them, is the Song of Songs. And David had several women in his life. Are we together? He spoke about the fair one and so on and so forth. But the first one he will ever speak about in Song of Songs was a black woman. Go and read uh, Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 5. So, someone sang about a black skin below. So, at every point, read the Bible from Pali to Pali, you will see African presence. I've mentioned Simon of Sarai, who was at the center of the crucifixion story to help Jesus. On the day the church was born, we were there at Pentecost. We were among the church fathers that developed the church creed, as already mentioned. And today, we are in the forefront of world evangelization. From creation to the last day, when all tribes and tongues will appear in God's kingdom, Africa is placed at the center of God's redemption agenda. The topic we have considered today is Africa in God's redemption agenda. And I conclude by saying, black people are not modern era addition to the story of the salvation history. We are not a modern era addition to the story of salvation history. We were there from the beginning. Say every attempt of the devil to take me out of this equation of the last day move of God will not succeed. In the name of Jesus, I take my position in Christ. Nothing will shake me. No imagination will move me. No heretical teaching will take me out. No negative narrative will make me believe the wrong thing. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8, verse 37, where we are doing the cutting. We want to make a very powerful conversion there. Like one of our great, 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 great father made. Are we there? Acts 8, verse 7. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe? Now answer me with that last part of that verse. I believe that 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of my life. I believe that Jesus Christ is the coming King. I believe that Jesus Christ will rapture me when he comes back. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. We believe you'll be blessed by the ministry of this message. You will do well to be the doer of all you've heard. For further inquiry and spiritual help, contact this number 080-356858882 or worship with us at Oasis of Wisdom Bible Church, adjacent University of Ilorin, Teaching Hospital, Okelsey Ilorin. God bless you.